Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready for delay on blog talk i was about, i was going to cut that off perfectly you know uh before we begin here i have to point something out a, a bit of irony if you will every week basically since the beginning of the summer movie session we've opened with that particular theme song and each and every week when i didn't have technical difficulties like last week thank you both my local internet and blog talk you both threw a hissy fit at the same time I have bagged on it. I have bagged on summer as a season. I have bagged on uh, the movies that have come out, generally speaking. Just all of it. I've just thrown all of it under the proverbial bus, the bus that might, in fact, have been carrying Bill Murray and that passel of of children to their summer camp. Because it's not... Most of this is not to my taste, and I'm okay with that. I know my tastes, generally speaking, and I'm okay. You know, I... I understand what I like. Mark knows what he likes. You all know what you like, hopefully. And, you know, we can disagree civilly. We can yell at each other every now and then, metaphorically shake hands and still be friends after the fact, as Mark and I have done several times in the past. But for all my distaste, for all my uh, half-shtick, half-genuine kind of bagging on everything, I come out of this particular season of summer movies not really the worst for wear I my negative thoughts were generally justified with a few surprises I was pleasantly surprised once or twice there were a couple of good movies on the whole it was about what I expected I was again pleasantly surprised here or there and just I emerge from this particular battleground of film without much damage to my psyche, to my person, to my belief system, whatever you want to say. I, I am generally intact. Or Mark Radulich is going to give Matt Hardy a run for his money as far as being broken. You people, <laughs> you people who made these movies and you, the society at large and your reactions and your exaggerations – you have taken a good man who just loves movies and likes to see things blow up and wants to talk about that, even if he disagrees with me, and we wind up yelling at each other. And you have just ground his soul and his spirit into the dirt. And I want you all to understand that you have done this, and I want you to feel that deep sense of shame that should accompany all of it. Shame on all of you. Just all of you. All right, I'm Robert Winfrey, and again, the relatively unscarred one. 
Mark Radlich is dying a blonde streak in his hair, pounding on piano and working on his drones. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I, I am aware that none of you who listen to this actually watch Total Not or Impact Wrestling and therefore will not get the reference. But that's what he's been doing. Mark, are you going to be okay? I mean, you're an empathetic person. You have more highs and lows than I do. I'm, I exist kind of in the valley, but I'm pretty steady. Uh, I feel bad for you when you when we review a movie like Ghostbusters or Tonight Suicide Squad, and you're so disappointed in the final product, and then on top of that, you have to deal with the response of people, and people are just the worst. They really are. Look, look, before I started reviewing movies, it was a very simple thing. I went to a movie, it was either bad or it was good. If it was bad, you know, usually... Before um, Robert Winfrey and I got together and started doing these reviews, the person I would generally, the two people I would generally talk to movies with were my dad and my best friend Tom. Um, if you've heard, the, if you listen to Long Road to Ruin from the beginning, Tom was actually on one of our shows. And you know, Tom and I don't always agree, but we agree more more often than we don't. And we would just, uh, you know, we would we would talk about the movies and what we liked and what we didn't like and our general, you know, dissatisfaction with George Lucas. And, you know, and the same thing with my father. You know, he was on our Warcraft show, and I don't always agree with his point of view either, but I, but I respected it, and I listened to what he had to say. Um, and he was a fun person to, to talk about movies with. I never thought, I'm going to sue. Okay. <laughs> occurred to me that that was a possibility like I hated Superman Returns it was the one of the worst movies I've ever seen I have to go but I'm thinking about starting another podcast um something I'm gonna I want to do on my own I'm, I'm putting some ideas together but it's going to be loosely based on our in defense of uh in defense of Man of Steel you know where basically I take an indefensible movie and I try to you know point out the good in it um, and Superman Returns is one of those movies that, for, for my money, you know, is one of the worst ones I've ever seen. And it might be a fun uh, exercise in trying to pick out the good in that movie. There is good in At Superman no Returns. At no, no, there isn't. At no yeah, there is. Brandon Routh is a fine Brandon Superman. Fine Kevin Spacey's a good Lex <laughs> Luthor. The first two-thirds of that movie are a really good throwback to kind of the golden age of Superman comics. Then they just have no idea how to actually The point being that uh, I never once thought about suing Warner Brothers <laughs> or should. suing Brian Singer you know, or anyone involved in the making of that movie. And to one degree or another, I get the point that the people wanting to sue over Suicide Squad are making. You're still dumb, and the world doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ. No, but a lawyer will quite happily take your money at $150 an hour just to prove you wrong. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Not not that you'll get anywhere other than a lot lighter in in the wallet. But you know, my my point is, I miss. I feel like gone were the days. There's a lot of articles being written now about the entitlement society. Um, the entitlement society, uh, the entitlement generation, is, is large and all-consuming. 
Um, it's but not actually that large or all-consuming. It's simply incredibly vocal and gets to exist in a medium where the loudest wins. Um, but most of the articles, I mean, while, while entitlement certainly exists in other areas, a lot, the focus has been in a lot of these articles in the, in the quote-unquote, the geek community, um, whatever. And... I just, when Robert Winfrey says you've broken Mark, it's because I, I just want to talk about the movies and I don't want to have to get into the whole, you know, like, like the Ghostbusters stuff was exhausting. The Batman v Superman stuff was exhausting. And we're right back to where we started with both of those with Suicide Squad. Okay, the critics hated it. Well, there's a lot that I can see why the critics hated it. They're there. We make fun of the critics every week on this show because they because don't do their job so well. Because there's so many of them that are bad. There's one who said a few things that I agree with negatively about this movie, but concluded his review with this is an all-out assault on the very notion of entertainment, and I wanted to put my head yeah. through a wall. That was Joe Morgenstern of the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> He's old. Um, Throw eggs but... at that man. <laughs> my, but my point is, that, you know, by and large, the critics got this one right. It's going to be hard to do our last segment later because for the most part... Well, here's what I want right. you to do. I don't want you to find... You can find a couple of positive professional reviews, but I imagine you're going to have a lot more of the fan reviews to read that just make me suffer an aneurysm. I know. I never, I never read the fan ones to you. I only read the professional ones. I'm, I'm, the fan and ones, 99 I, times I, out of 100, I am very, very grateful for that. Oh, dude, the fan ones are terrible. I read a, I read a bunch of them um, before, before the actual uh, critics review went up, and like half the shit's misspelled. <laughs> you know, like there's words missing. <laughs> um, a lot of them are repeated for some odd reason. I don't really understand that. But the, the, because the if they submit is, their review more than once, they can artificially inflate the fan rating. Ah, I see. Um, I don't so know if the, that's the actually point a thing, but is, the point of all of this is that I talking about movies used to be and in, in, in being in sort of the movie culture subculture used to be a very fun thing, and it's it's gotten tiresome, and it's gotten tiresome for the same reasons that I stopped talking about politics, which is people got too nasty, and I'm being dead serious about this, like smile off face. I stopped talking about politics with people because. It would get too emotional, too nasty, too quickly, and it wasn't worth it wasn't worth hearing a lot of ridiculous nonsense over stuff that people in the conversation were never going never going to do anything about. And so I was like, I'm just going to stick with music and movies. That's got to be safe. And now movies aren't even safe. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, I'm sorry. It's that same level of acrimony. I mean, it's. I remember going to work one day and one of the lieutenants saying, I just want to dig a hole and put all these inmates in the hole and leave them there. And, I, and he was talking about uh, robbers and murderers and terrible people. But if you are to look at some of the uh, Twitter remarks and fan reviews, and attacks on critics, they too want to dig a hole and put the critics in it. 
And while I'm not, and while I'm not, I've been known to say, "Hey, take the people of Warner Brothers out and shoot them." I don't really mean that. But apparently, there are people out there that are dead serious about stuff like that. That you know, the people responsible for this direct that we're going to review tonight, uh, you know, should be taken out back and shot. And it's like, ah, why are you ruining what was a perfectly nice hobby for me? And while the, the the easiest thing might be to say, well, don't listen to him. Why do you have to be a part of it? Well, I, again, to do this show, you kind of have to. You know, I have to be aware of what the reviews are. And once I start to become aware of what the reviews are, I'm now neck deep in 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 the movie culture. And now I can't escape any of this. And it sucks. And I wish people would fucking get a hold of themselves. It's It's just the movies. Go outside. Take a breath. Smell the roses. Off my pedestal. There's going to be some soapboxing from both of us tonight when we get into not so much the movie. I mean, there's a handful of good things about this movie. I found them to be few and far between. Uh, reasonable people can I'm disagree. Nicer about it than you are, but that's because I don't hate Margot Robbie and everything she stands for. I don't hate Margot Robbie. Hate... Yes, you do. No, I don't. You, where do you get? Where do you? Why do you think that I hate her? I've never met her. I have no basis for formulating an opinion of her and anything other than her chosen profession, where I find her incredibly mediocre. You hate Margot Robbie, and you wish she would drown at the bottom of the Mississippi River. Neither of those statements are true. Of those... <laughs> I want credit. For, I want credit for naming of a specific river. Well, I'm sure if I were going, let's delve briefly into this hypothetical scenario you've concocted where I feel <laughs> so driven by hatred for this person who I have never met, who has had no meaningful impact on me no whatsoever, on me other whatsoever. than boring me in a few movies. But I am compelled to commit murder. And first of all, well, let's, if we're going to indulge this bit of fantasy, I am not driving to wherever she lives in California if she's there. And then subsequently either kidnapping her for the purposes of drowning and then trying to drive the distance from Los Angeles to the Mississippi River with her in the trunk of my car. This is so fundamentally unsound. Would it have made a difference if I had said the Great Salt Lake? That's actually very difficult. It's it, the salinity of the Great Salt Lake is such that you are inclined to float rather than drown. It would take extra effort, and I would not drown someone. How would you murder Margot Robbie? You're NSA playing a game that, that a bunch of kids in my high school played with me that almost got me kicked out. <laughs> hey, you know a bunch and of ways to kill people. Well, oh, yes, I do. So how would you kill me? Well, I would and stab you in the base the of the skull, severing your spinal column at around the – oh, and I forget the technical name for that part of the brain. But the brain stem is responsible for all your automatic function. So if I stab you there, you just die. Your heart stops beating within two pumps. There's not a lot of mess. You just fall over, and you're gone. Hey, dude, this, guy's knows, this guy knows exactly how he would kill me. Come here. This is great. Oh, yeah, so how would you kill me? Well, I would stab you in the stomach, severing your aorta so you could bleed out painfully. 
I bet you entertained a lot of people in white hats wearing sports jerseys. I don't think any of them wore hats. I don't think any of them wore hats. <laughs> Can we get on with this? Yeah, sure. But to make my point, I do not hate Margot Robbie, nor would I try to drown her in the Mississippi River. Okay, sure. Entirely too well-traveled. All right. With that, right, moving on. Of, yeah, <laughs> with that bit of uh, frivolity indulged, tonight we are reviewing Suicide Squad. And are we? Yes. Why wouldn't we? That's the purpose of our... You're trying to distract me again, aren't you? It's not going to work. <laughs> You're just trying to put this off, aren't you? You know, for for I don't want pain to do as this I suffered anymore. watching the movie, you're gonna you are suffering more right now. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so sick of this. Take a breath, Mark. Take a breath. Remember, it's just the internet. You see, you the irony here, ladies and gentlemen, is Mark's reaction to all of these people simply perpetuates their reaction and is, in fact, a perfect example of becoming disproportionately aggravated by things one can't control. But I'm also getting tired of talking about movie studios being completely incompetent. At some point, we have to get to the fact that David Ayer wrote this script in six weeks and was told, start shooting, asshole. Because yeah, we will, we will get to that. Rick Ramis from uh, Spaceballs. Keep firing, assholes. Sorry. But he was surrounded by assholes. He really was. But he was told, he he wrote the script. I mean, they they, they shot this thing on the first draft. There was no, you know. And it's it's painfully obvious. There was no review. There was no editorial. There was no one who said, okay, this is a good start. But is this really the best you can do? And forced him to and have that bit of introspection. And then what's even better is that they don't even trust the man anymore. To, know. To, to, you know, they ordered reshoots and cut the thing all to hell. <laughs> the editing for this movie is so slipshod. And this is what, but, but I mean, never mind the trolls on the internet with no lives, you know, who are, you know, who are just ruining society and, and social discourse. Never mind all that. I'm getting tired of talking about studios that are so incompetent and so bad and, and so afraid of their own, you know, of their own shadow that they hire a guy, they hear his vision. At least Paul Feig got to do the movie he wanted to do. No one got in his way. That's largely the vision. He, I mean, right or wrong, and I don't want to get into that. Terrible vision, but they stayed out of his way. That's very true. Uh, John Favreau with Iron Man, same thing. Um, Warner Brothers keeps getting in the way, and you know, so they saw Batman v Superman. They saw the reaction that that got, and said, "Oh, holy fuck, we have to change Suicide Squad." And it was like, change it into what are you doing? <laughs> you know, that's my so, line, Mark, isn't it? <laughs> so as I said, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just. I wanna, I wanna hide. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna go back to ignoring things like this. That's entirely up to you, Mark. 
If you wish to go back to ignoring things like this, you can. I mean, they all just kind of roll off my back. I'm going to go. I'm only going to watch Disney films. It's the only studio getting anything right. Except, fundamentally except for the finest hours. Except for the finest hours. That bombed this year. All right. People want, people desperately wanted to hear our thoughts on Suicide Squad are about ready to, about ready to delete this episode. All right. Let me jump into my plot synopsis then for Suicide Squad. Can you uh, do it in 50 open... words or less? And can you well, do it without it... making sarcastic comments? I can do one of those. If you, if you make me do it in 50 words or less, I have to use sarcasm. Nope. I just want no sarcasm. Make it a make it a nice review, uh, a nice synopsis. I will oh, be nice. as straight laced about this as I possibly can. I want niceness. We need more niceness in the world. We picked the wrong. You picked the wrong week to try and stand on that hill. <laughs> I just, I told an inmate who's currently going to prison for like several robberies. And tomorrow, make sure you're nice to the other social worker. Just be nice. Sound like I'm a kindergarten teacher. Well, you know, they, the line that everything you need to, that you really need to learn about life, you learn in kindergarten, is very true. And the people that you interact with on a daily basis are those who did not learn the basics of human decency and consequently have to be reminded of them on a regular basis. All right. Mark, I will do my best to not be sarcastic in my in my synopsis. And if I if you feel I have strayed into the realm of sarcasm, hit the goofy yell, and I will correct myself. Fair oh enough? shit! I gotta all right. I gotta turn off Angry Birds. Hang on. Go. Go. <laughs> yes, go. I'm going to make you pay attention. All right. Uh, we open with Amanda Waller talking with a couple of other high-ranking members of. What is assumed to be the Joint Chiefs of Staff, though never actually confirmed. Uh, words like Mr. Secretary get thrown around a lot and is utilized to make up for... Sorry, that strays towards sarcasm. But is assumed to be members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to pitch a response squad comprised of supervillains because Superman is dead. He's not really dead, but to them he's dead. And he will not, and he will make his glorious return in the Justice League movie. But until then, they are operating in a world without Superman. But there are still other metahumans running around. Some of them are bad guys. In this case, we are specifically introduced to the two main characters for the movie: uh, Will Smith's Deadshot and Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. With a minor shout-out to a gentleman who goes by the name of El Diablo, Captain Boomerang. And I apologize for this sarcastic comment, but Captain Bo- this isn't sarcasm. Captain Boomerang serves no purpose in this movie. Just none at all. <laughs> uh, Killer Croc. And who am I forgetting? Uh, well, Katana comes along later. Yeah, but she she's also a good guy. I'm trying to remember. There's I'm forgetting somebody. The Enchantress. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm going to look it up. Uh, El Diablo, Captain Boomerang, Waller, yeah, Flagwin. Nope, I'm I'm actually not. All right. Oh, the Enchantress. That's no, I was forgetting somebody. 
said the Enchantress. What? I said the Enchantress. Try listening. Sorry. The, the, the delay between, like, you hearing what I'm saying and what uh, – it's a problem at times. I apologize. You, you were correct with the Enchantress. That's the one I was forgetting. Uh, these are all supervillains with varying degrees of metahumanness. Uh, Deadshot is simply a highly skilled assassin. I don't think there's ever a description of his superhuman abilities. Harley Quinn is just a highly trained gymnast and a little psychotic. Uh, El Diablo can summon fire, so yes. Killer Croc is, well, he's big. He almost hit Batman in the head with a rock once. That's his claim to fame. <laughs> I threw a rock at him. It was a big rock. Oh, that's a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, these particular individuals are subsequently implanted with explosive devices in their neck designed to keep them on the proverbial leash. A metaphorical leash in this case. Proverbial, not quite so much. And they will be a response team to the other metahuman activities that, you know, the rank and file of the military can't handle, which I imagine is going to comprise the majority of, you know, every DCEU movie from now on, from here on out. Uh, there is some resistance to this because, hey, we're going to be arming and releasing murderous psychopaths, some of them with prodigious powers. And the villains don't really want to do it because, well, screw the world. That's about all I get there. However, once forced to under threat of summary execution, they go along with it. Uh, there's a minor subplot in the fact that the guy leading them, a fellow by the name of Flag, uh, originally supposed to be Tom Hardy, uh, replaced by Joel Kinnaman. One of the few highlights of this movie, generally speaking, is Joel Kinnaman. He's usually good. He's usually a solid inclusion in a movie or in any project, really. And they then set off to Kinnaman is in love with oh June something or other June uh, June June Moon really really wow June Moon okay anyway he's in love with her she is possessed by this ancient extra-dimensional entity referred to as the Enchantress. This is not the same Enchantress that is madly in love with Thor and desperately trying to get him to feel the same way. That one exists in the Marvel Universe and is yet to be introduced. Uh, the Enchantress is very evil, but she they have leverage on her in the form of her heart, which was cut out of her chest, and... They're forcing her to go along with that. She eventually slips their leash very briefly and awakens her brother, uh, Incubus, who was never named throughout this movie. And they plot to overthrow human society because they used to be worshipped as gods and want that power back, I suppose. Uh, so with that, uh, they activate the Suicide Squad to try and stop them. They're actually referred to as, I believe, Task Force X or Response Force X. But uh, Will Smith, yeah. because you have... What? You're right the first time. It's Task Force X. Task Force. Okay, thank you. But Will Smith, because we have to say the name of the movie in dialogue in the movie, uh, refers to them as the Suicide Squad. 
Uh, they are initially tasked not to stop this extinction-level event from occurring. They are to save Amanda Waller, who was in the city that got hit by this catastrophe, which they do while overcoming an army of pseudo-zombies. Okay, hang on a second. You're, you've missed a vital plot element here. Like, the I'm Joker not, is desperately seeking his little Harley Quinn. Nope. Okay. okay. Initially, what, what ends up happening? The initially what ends up happening is the Enchantress uh, takes over June while she's sleeping, slips out, goes to Midway, um, grabs a passerby, makes him, turns him into Incubus, um, and at that point, the uh, Incubus starts turning the people of Midway into blob monsters. Um, which then causes uh, Amanda Waller to activate just the Enchantress, but she doesn't know she did. So the Enchantress goes, makes Incubus, comes back. Amanda Waller sets up shop in Midway City, sends Flag and Enchantress in. She turns around and betrays uh, Flag, and um, she complains that, oh, I'm not going to do much without my heart, at which point Incubus gives her enough power to withstand uh, stabs to the heart long enough for them to go, you know what, while we're here in Midway City, let's destroy the world. So she's going to create, so, so she's going to, at this point, they she creates over a cloud City. of death that is roughly akin to the Galactus Cloud Monster from the second Fantastic Four movie. That's all it is. More to the point, by doing this, though, they've trapped Amanda Waller in Capital City, uh, in Midway City, and we, the audience, don't know that. They show Amanda Waller in the Jason Bourne room, but they never show you where the Jason Bourne room actually is until the big reveal is the person they're trying to evac out of Midway City is Amanda Waller. Now go ahead. And it's at that point, once the Enchantress and Flag fail the first time around, take out Incubus, that they activate Task Force X. Okay. I honestly don't remember about half of that. Well, that's why I'm here. I, I mean, sure, no, no, no. I, I remember, you know, I mean, I remember that they were there to get Amanda. They did a little fake out with not revealing exactly where she was. I don't remember them specifically activating the Enchantress to go fight Incubus. I remember her leaving and then her heart gets stabbed back in the situation room. Uh, but I don't remember like some of the details of that. I don't remember Flag being involved at all. Uh, anyway, that's really neither here nor there. <laughs> so the the squad is activated to go rescue Amanda. They don't know it at the time. One of them, a fellow by the name of Slipknot, tries to escape. Uh, boom goes his head because uh, Captain Boomerang convinced him that uh, they were they were being played. They were being psyched out. It was a ruse, you know, like the totality of Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> You're dangerously close to a goofy button. I just had, I needed to come up with another example of the ruse, is all. Uh, anyway, they fight off some pseudo-zombies. Will Smith aggravates El Diablo, who has taken a pseudo-vow of pacifism in the wake of murdering his own family with his uncontrollable powers. He convinces him that, no, these are, you know, we really do need to actually kill these guys, and you're in the best position to do this. 
he does this in the typical antisocial villain way by mocking him. I'm, oh, no, don't touch me, bro. Oh, I'm touching you. What you going to do, S.A.? Oh, I'm touching you. I'm touching you. And then he barbecues, you know, 30 guys. Uh, they eat. They try to evac Amanda Waller. It turns out that Joker, who is pining for his Harley Quinn, he just, I don't know, he feels incomplete without her. It's got to be. It's got to be more than that, though. There's the. There's well, I don't some. Think it matters at this point, synopsis. All that. All you need to know is that Joker has hijacked called... one of the. The Joker shows up periodically as Deus Ex Clown to screw things up. He has hijacked the plane. He tries to kill them all. <laughs> okay, what what was happens that? is, I'm gonna tell you because like you could do it right. The Joker, the, the Joker's whole subplot is he doesn't know where they took Harley. He doesn't know where Belle Reeve is. He doesn't know where she is in the world. So he's on the hunt. He's got a mystery to solve. Um, at one point, they go after the guard. I didn't even realize it was the guard, but they go after the guard who apparently they has a gambling the, problem. Yeah, the guard who delivers a cell phone to Harley that he kind of tracks her with. He he steal he blackmails one of the scientists behind the technology that allows for the remote detonation to deactivate her explosive tag in particular. She takes a flying leap off the roof into this helicopter. Deadshot decides not to take a shot at her, which made me so sad. I was really... I really wanted him to just shoot her. (laughs) Well, I mean, we'll talk about this in the actual movie, but it just... It was just like, here, you set up this character who's a mercenary and an assassin, and suddenly he's got the hots for Harley, so he won't shoot her. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, he, he really should have just shot her. But Harley Quinn moves merchandise, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the, the helicopter is subsequently shot down. Harley falls out of it before it explodes. It explodes off screen, of course, so we're not sure if the Joker who was in the helicopter actually died or not. Uh, newsflash. Warner Brothers does not have the balls to kill the Joker. <laughs> they just don't. Harley rejoins the squad. They try to get Amanda out on a second helicopter that is subsequently taken out by Incubus. Flag decides, enough of this. I'm not going to be watching my own back this entire time with you people while we try to rescue her and stop this global, this, you know, global cataclysm that has not even been addressed in any sort of meaningful way. They don't even know what's going on to, to a very serious degree. He breaks his device that would allow him to kill them, and he says, do what you will. I got a job to do, and he takes off. The villains all gather in a bar. They have a bit of a heart-to-heart and decide, you know what? Nah, I, uh, Harley actually says she has nothing better to do. Deadshot wants his daughter to know that, in his own words, her father is not a piece of shit. And Croc and El Diablo go along because reasons. Uh, They stage a final assault on this location where they are invoking ancient Mesoamerican powers to wipe out the world. Again, this is not explained properly in the script. Uh, El Diablo goes full Hulk smash, which includes a transformation is able to hold Incubus in a specific area that they then blow up, killing him and Incubus in the process. There's a 
engagement with the Enchantress that they inevitably win. Uh, Dr. Moon comes out of that, uh, despite their... Eh, she shouldn't have, but never mind. Sorry, no sarcasm. Dr. Moon is able to be purged of the Enchantress when the Enchantress's heart is destroyed. Waller shows up because she won't die. Uh, to re- to utilize her control over them, to force them back into prison instead of letting them go out on individual rampages. A few of them are able to uh, intelligently negotiate for perks while in prison. Deadshot wants his daughter's letters actually delivered, as well as the ability to see her every now and then. Killer Croc wants BET. Uh, which he gets. Uh, Harley wants an espresso uh, machine, which, which he is also given. And Captain Boomerang, Boomerang decides this is the moment to play tough guy and is just subsequently returned to solitary <laughs> confinement. Uh, the movie ends with the Joker breaking out Harley Quinn. And I really hated that. I really hated that. I, I feel like the appropriate ending for this movie and one they just didn't go with is the same basic ending, but as Joker and Harley are making out in her cell, uh, we cut back to her eyes opening and no, she just daydreamed that whole thing. Uh, then we get a mid credit scene, closing things out where Amanda Waller buys some security from subsequent investigative probes into the Suicide Squad from Bruce Wayne, who wants information on other metahumans, specifically the upcoming Super Friends. Now, I don't say that sarcastically, mind you, because they actually use dialogue to set up that joke. And I'm banging my head (laughs) against my seat when they do it. I just like Bruce Wayne. I just like making friends. I was waiting for her to just like cock an eyebrow and go, well, you've got some Super Friends here. Uh-huh. I mean, come on. We actually have a line in the upcoming movie that Arthur Curry, I hear you talk to fish. Piss off. <laughs> uh. All right. Mark, where would you like to start with this thing? Well, I'd like to start with uh, my appearance last night on Source Material, if you'll, if you'll indulge me for a moment. Because well. it is my contention. It is my contention that this was not the movie they should have made. I don't think this is the movie they really wanted to make. I don't think Warner Brothers has really thought through what it is they're doing with their DC property. And they're just running at high speed trying to put out movies to catch up to Marvel. And I say that because my biggest frustration with Suicide Squad was not what was in the movie, but what was cut out of the movie or given short shrift. Harley Quinn's fall from uh, professional psychiatrist to mad love of the Joker is one of the greatest stories told in the Batman universe, and it was given 30 seconds. And it wasn't even told correctly in 30 seconds. You could probably do Mad Love in 30 seconds. You won't get the same feeling, but you could at least do it right. They undercut that relationship. They don't seem to understand who the Joker is, 
And they don't understand Harley's relationship to the Joker and his relationship to her back. Jeff Harris had it completely right when he said, they're not Harley and Joker. They're the two kids in class who won't stop making out. Um, My comparison after seeing it was Bonnie and Clyde. They're a coked up rock and roll couple. Yeah. Jim Morrison and Jim Morrison and, and his girlfriend kind of a thing. It was ridiculous. Whitney and Bobby. Um, yeah, Whitney and Bobby. So I think that was the most frustrating thing for me about this movie. It was, I don't know who any of these people are in this movie because they're certainly not the character. And I'm not a where's Tom Bombadil kind of guy. As I said on source material, I'll accept gangster juggalo Joker if you give me some, con- some context of how the clown prince of crime got that way. Because the Joker has always been an agent of chaos. He's been somebody who is more of a psychological fiend than he was, say, the Penguin, who was an arms dealer. Uh, but if you want to make the Joker, as he is in this movie, sort of a mafia don and make Harley Quinn his mafia wife, then could you please just give me some story that explains that to me? And therein lies the problem with Suicide Squad. Stop me if you think you've heard this one before, but there was way too much in this movie. It was overstuffed and undercooked. Gee whiz, where have I said that before this summer? Oh, wait. Every fucking movie we reviewed, pretty much. Just about. Starting with Suicide Squad, just like starting with Justice League, just like starting with Batman versus Superman, was a stupid idea. You know... Marvel didn't start with the Avengers. They gave everybody an individual movie with an origin. And then once you had the established characters set up, then they could go on and tell other stories like the Avengers, like Ultron, like Civil War, etc. And even in the individual movies, they don't go crazy and introduce 57 different characters in three different plot lines. In the, I, I, I remember talking to you, Robert, about the, the, the first Thor movie, and you know you liked it a lot more than I did. But at least in the first, you, you set up your main villain, which is Loki, your, your, your tank villain, which was the Destroyer. You set up your main characters, Thor, Jane, Doctor Huzifwatsi, and, and one half of the Broke Girls. And that was it. That was your movie. That was your cast, pretty much. Okay, a little bit of Odin, and that was you know, and that's it. They didn't introduce the Warriors Three. They didn't introduce yeah, they the did. Enchantress. They didn't. They were, the Warriors well, Three they, were in that movie. Briefly, not not like they were in Dark World. Um, they don't do anything. The point. Just, look, I'm not saying they were given you know the full breadth of character development, but they existed within that film, and they were appropriately introduced, all things considered. The point that I'm making is that they took care to give the characters in the, mo- in the movie that they were making enough to do and enough characterization, and they left other characters out to deal with them at a later date. There was the same thing with the Iron Man movies, Hulk. You know, in Hulk, they don't have Doc Savage, and they don't have the, the, the leader. <laughs> they start to introduce the leader. You know, it's just they, they don't go crazy trying to overstuff these movies. And that way, when they finally got to the Avengers... It was like, okay, well, everyone's been set up already. We know who these people are. We, we got it. We are on board. And they could just move forward. 
DC t- seems to be taking, and like, you know, fully once, shame on, uh, shame on you. Fully twice, shame on me. We're getting to the point now where they overstuffed Batman v Superman by shoving in the Justice League and Wonder Woman for no good reason, among other and things. And Doomsday. And Jesse and Eisenberg. <laughs> okay, and then and then we're like, well, okay. The lesson they should have learned from that is stop overstuffing your movies. Tell a coherent story. More on that in a minute. And the lesson they <laughs> took from it seems to be people want jokes. It, well, it seems like they didn't learn anything from from the from the the Star Wars prequels, where George Lucas substituted story and, co- and coher- coherent narrative for shove as much shit in the frame as possible. Yeah, that's what I want. You know, we want to see. We want to see enough. We want to see plenty of garbage in the frame, and don't tell any. Don't don't tell a story. That seems to be what Warner Brothers is going with. Shove lots of shit in the movie. And that's, to me, that, that to me was the most frustrating thing about Suicide Squad was there's no, there's no coherent narrative and it's just a bunch of shit shoved in front of you. I felt like it was more akin to watching like a fashion show. It was just people, it's like, here comes this character and here comes this character and here comes this character. And they left so much story on the table. A movie just documenting how Harley becomes Harley Quinn would have been sufficient. Frankly, a movie explaining to me how Joker became a juggalo would have been fine. Okay? A movie of Batman chasing Deadshot would have been great. Now, I don't need to necessarily see a movie, you know, where the other people got taken down. But for for God's sakes, give your main characters... Enough of enough of an opportunity to tell you who they are and why they exist. The way this movie operates is is like this is just showing you flashcards, which is really almost the way it's like the way it starts. It's like here's a you know here's a picture of of Harley Quinn. Here are her Hang stats on, on the back. I will defend Next. that as a setup piece. I will defend that as a setup piece a little bit because while I agree that again a, an origin story for Harley Quinn and this version of the Joker might at least give context to aspects of the character. And, you know, Batman actually having to be a detective and try to take down Deadshot. Interesting. They're also not going to sell very well. And so to a degree, hang on, to a degree, I will defend, here's our introduction to these characters, most of whom you have no idea who they are. Here's them in, you know, 50 words or less. It's certainly less than 10 minutes of introductory screen time, give or take. I'm actually okay with that if you just kind of let it stand. Unfortunately, we get a, you know, flashbacks throughout the rest of the movie and you know a couple of barroom scenes where they just kind of sit around and dump exposition on each other. See, but here, here's the thing. First of all, uh, Harley Quinn's uh, a, a Batman movie that features Harley Quinn's fall uh, sells. I don't know what where you're coming from with that. Um, if you want to, you know, a, a Batman movie. First of all, all the Batman movies sell, so who doesn't really matter who the villain is. But if they, if they threw Deadshot in there, it would be just fine. My point is, 
there was a I was much more interested in the flashbacks than I was the actual story. The stories, you know, such as it is, is, is shit. Okay, <laughs> what it wasn't coherent, and what I could follow, I wasn't interested in. I every time they did a flashback, I was like, could we? Can we just go back to that? Can we go back to, you know, Harley jumping in the vat of, of chemicals? Can we go back to, could you explain to me what the hell was happening in the club scene where he basically offered her up as sex to, to, to common? <laughs> you know, I don't, what, how did that happen? How, how, did we get, how did we get to the Joker like, hey, you want to have sex with my girlfriend? Like, you know, I don't like it, but at least I would have, I would have preferred at least an explanation. So... There's my biggest problems with Suicide Squad. Um, I thought it was edited, you know, and you could, and all the stories about what happened to this thing uh, in the editing room was basically an air had, had a script. They shot the script. Batman v Superman comes out. Warner Brothers freaks. They order a reshoot. Then they have a trailer company recut the movie. And what you get is, is hot. What you get is basically a hot topic music medley and that's it um now that sounds like i hated the movie i was moderately entertained but i was entertained by the individual character performances um not just of margot robbie margot robbie and will smith though i did like them a lot um, I was in the Jay Hernandez who plays El Diablo. I really liked him. I thought he, I thought he carried a lot of, had a lot of presence in the movie. I thought him struggling with murdering his family was interesting. Um, I wanted to see a little bit more of him. Um, that's probably the most personality I've ever seen out of Jai Courtney. You know, I laughed a couple of times with his interactions with, you know, you know, <laughs> him trying to convince Slipknot that, uh, they're not, they're not really bugged, bugged to be blown up. Jai Courtney not, heard me uh, complain about him being flat and went so far in the other direction that it's almost you're, you're, the reverse of comical you're, almost. Well, say you're always too hard on, on the beaver. Um, I thought Jai Courtney was, was great as, as um, Captain Boomerang. You know, apparently David Ayer's direction was him to find your inner shit bag, and it worked. It was funny. Okay, um, fine, but the character does nothing and should have died instead of El Diablo, because he was at least interesting. Fair enough. Um, of course, I think they I all should have died, but my belief in how this should have been handled aside. Carol Delevingne as the Enchantress was terrible, and the CGI was yeah. her suck dick. Um, and uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller was great. Um What's his face is Rick Flag. Joel Kinnaman Joel was Kinnaman. fine. Joel Kinnaman's usually pretty good. Uh, if you've never seen him in The Killing or the most recent season of House of Cards, you're kind of missing out. He's quite good in those. I've never watched House of Cards. The first two seasons should. have a lot of porn. Terrific. I don't um, know if that's but, a positive uh, or a negative for you. I hit the, fla- the fast-forward button a lot, but on the whole. Have we, have we hit the point in our relationship, Robert Winfrey, where you think that's the selling point for me? So like, i got to get Mark interested in something. Tell him there's tits in it. No, if I was really trying to sell you on it, I'd tell you that Kevin Spacey is freaking awesome. Okay. Anyway, um, like, like I said, Viola Davis is good. Um, 
And I and I think that's it. It's just the entire cat. Oh, I mean, the, the, what's his face from Oz as Cro- as Killer Croc? The <laughs> the few one-liners he gets are fun. He looked fine. He looked like a fun Killer Croc. I'd like, you know, I I would have liked to have seen him in the fourth Batman movie. That you know, instead of Bane. So, <laughs> um. So now, whatever, when you say you know, the fourth, you mean Batman and Robin, right? That is correct, sir. Yeah, agreed. Completely agreed. Killer Croc fits right in with all that camp. Yeah, I would have. I would have preferred Killer Croc be Poison Ivy's henchman than Bane the you know Jojo the Monkey Boy. Um, he will. He is not Bane. He will forever be Jojo the Monkey Boy. I will not uh, dispute you on that point. So those are the things that I liked. Um, things like you know, and again, I wanted to spend more time in the flashbacks. I thought that was a much more interesting movie. Um, things I hated, uh, setting up Deadshot, at, you know, he's thwarted by the bat because his daughter gets in his way, I'm fine with, but then, then feeling the need to pay that off li- later on in the movie when, um, they're doing the everyone's, you know, the Enchanter does this bit where, oh, everyone gets what they want, you know, I, I would give you all your secret wishes, and it's time he gets to kill Batman. Really? Well, his hang on. His wish is to have avoided jail and killed Bat, and subsequently have killed Batman. Because his, his whole world at the hang on at that moment, his fondest desire is not to be where I am right now. Well, what led this? What what led me to this situation? Well, Batman. Well, Batman. I really want him dead. So his. So putting him in that state of you get what you want, I killed Batman, I am free. I am free. Makes perfect sense to me. You usually Mr. Wizard and you say, you know, things don't work that way. Allow me to be Mr. Therapist and tell you if you love your daughter that much and your sole concern in life is to is to protect her from her crackhead mother and get yourself out of prison, you're not worrying about the fucking Batman. If someone, if a gene pops out of a bottle and says, I'll give you your heart's desire. Your heart's desire is me, my daughter, and an island. Far, far away from here. You're not thinking yeah, about Yeah, but you're missing Batman. the point where he's kind of a bag of shit and likes killing people. Uh, but again, that's the, that, this is the problem with this movie. It's, here's a bunch of bag of shit, but they're really heroes with a heart of gold. Wait, what? Yeah, I've, I've got a problem with that, too. <laughs> I'm okay with them being three-dimensional characters. I really am. I like villains to be three-dimensional. I hate them when they're flat. I don't like trying to make them this sympathetic. But I, I guess that's my point, is you're trying to make like a dirty dozens, you know, you're, you're trying to do a bunch of anti-heroes, so you have to make them somewhat likable. Okay, but then you can't make them complete bags of shit either. Or at least you can't get, you know, they're calling Will Smith's Deadshot the heart of this film. Okay. So he's the heart, he's the heart, he's the heart, he's a cold-blooded murderer who doesn't care about his daughter and wants to kill Batman. This is shitty writing. I can't be convinced otherwise. I refuse to be. Human beings don't operate that way. Unless you're a complete sociopath, in which case all this other stuff about him being the heart of the movie is wrong. I agree that there's inconsistency there. I I stand up for that simply because he's also kind of a vengeful character who does not like being crossed, and Batman put him in the worst situation possible. 
So he wants revenge on Batman more so than he wants to be with his daughter. I think is kind of where that is. You can't have it both ways. I'm not saying you can have it both ways. I'm saying that's what I got. Everyone else is wrong with their analysis, and so be it. I get, okay, it, it sounds like you're defending their choice to make him that. You sound like me half the time in these reviews where you're defending character um, motivation. Um, so we really traded positions here. But uh, no, there, it, that's too inconsistent. You can't have it both ways. He can't so be the moral center of the film. Big shock. Big shock. <laughs> okay, let's stop defending it. God damn it. I'm defending it in the sense that it made sense. For him to no, feel that way, if it, if you want to argue that he's inconsistently written, sure. But it doesn't but, make sense for him to feel that way when, no, he, when, when you have all these other things going on. It doesn't make sense for him to want a pink unicorn. Sorry, there's actually a character who has a pink unicorn. That's not an appropriate analogy here. <laughs> and that character totally made sense. He was he was bananas. He was oddball. He, he oddball. needed to die. He was spaghetti. You just, you're just racist against Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney is not a Leave race. Jai Courtney is a person. Jai Courtney is a person. Leave Jai Courtney alone. I don't care that it's Jai Courtney. You could have put anyone else in that same position with that same writing, and I would feel the exact same way. Um, so back back to the review of the movie. That's that's really it as far as where where I stand with it. I was, it's not a movie I would see twice. It's not a movie I found, I mean, Robert Winfrey is going to have to hold, control himself here, because I'm going to bring up a movie, and immediately his nipples are going to be, twi- are going to be tweaked. And he's going to I will be quiet while you make your point. <laughs> Transformers Age of Extinction, separate from my defenses of it actually being a sound movie aside, was entertaining to me because it was a lot of brightly colored this and that and things exploding on the screen and there was a lot of fun to be had. So that makes that's like the high watermark for me for even if I didn't think that craft-wise it was a sound movie, at least there was a lot of fun stuff happening on the screen to distract me from the fact that it was a shitty script. I don't think it's a shitty script, but we've already had that fight. Um, there's... Suicide Squad is the kind of movie where there's just enough, there's just enough, excuse me, there's just enough shit happening in frame to distract me from how terrible of a movie this is. So, and and I'm a kind of person who can allow myself to be distracted long enough to enjoy, you know, nonsense on the screen. So when my wife asked me, did you like it? I, it was okay. It's lazy. It's meandering. The characters get introduced three times before they go anywhere. Okay? The flashbacks are more interesting than, than the present. And the only thing keeping this from being a completely incompetent film are the actors themselves giving the, the best performances they possibly can with the shitty, with the shitty script. But... Like I said, there's enough of that happening. On, there's, a, there's enough, um, there, there's enough uh, charisma 
from the actors and, and the characters, and there's enough action going on, even if the action didn't make any sense, to give me at least a minimal amount of enjoyment. Um, I wouldn't recommend anyone go see this, by the way. <laughs> you know, like if you, so people, people at work have asked me, you know, oh, should I, should I take my son? Should I take, you know, should I go see it? I'm a big comic book fan. One of the, one of the people I'm friends with at work who allegedly is a huge comic book fan, saw it, loved it, um, thought it was great. I don't think people read into movies the way that myself and, and the illustrious uh, Robert Winfrey do. I don't think people think about it. And if you don't think about it, if you don't think about how asinine the story is or how the characterizations don't make any sense in a lot, in a lot of ways, um, and you don't know anything about Harley Quinn or the Joker, there's probably nothing wrong with, there's not a whole lot wrong with the, with the movie or someone saying that they enjoy it. Which I think leads to why there's so much backlash. Um, there are more casual film watchers and, and comic book fans than there are critics. So therein lies the therein lies the problem. If you do critical analysis of this movie, it comes up severely short of a competent film. If you just want to get your rocks off and watch fun stuff happen, there's plenty of that in the movie, and there's and there's plenty of uh, fun characters to be had. So I walked away with a profound feeling of meh. And that's all I have to say. I don't really have a whole lot to add there. Um, I couldn't stand this version of the Joker. And in part, I think it's a lack of context. And that's a failure of writing. I ought... I honestly feel they should have removed him from this movie barring flashbacks where we get a little bit of Harley's backstory. I don't want him anywhere else in this film. After he drives into the river to escape Batman and leaves her to drown, that should have been the last time we saw him. See, I'll disagree with you there. I don't think they gave the Joker enough to do. I like the idea of of the Joker being a spoiler, um, the problem was he was a spoiler limited to just save Harley. If it had been, you know, he saw an opportunity to create chaos. Um, if he saw an opportunity to kill Amanda Waller, you know, Amanda Waller took Harley from me. Well, I'm not so much interested in getting Harley back as I am making Amanda Waller's life miserable. You know, one of the things I love about the Injustice series was the Joker the Joker sort of tacit uh, giving up on Batman. You know, it's like, I've, I've gone round and round with Batman. I can't take it anymore. Nothing ever happens. He's, he, he, you know, he's completely, you can't, you can't bring Batman down. So fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to mess with Superman and see what happens. Oh, look, you're fun. You're really dumb. You're easy. You know, I would have liked a sort of a, a Joker who kind of comes to that realization as well. It's just like, Hey, you know, I get nowhere with Batman, but there's so many other fun people to play with in the world. So I'm going to play with you, Amanda Waller, since you've now you know, uh, taken something Joker from This Joker doesn't think that way. This Joker just wants what's his. Which still makes sense Either if you're going after Amanda Waller. You took something from me. I don't care what it is, but you took something of mine, and I don't like that. Right. So either way, I think if he's just out there 
creating chaos for Task Force X and giving Harley, you know, some degree of... Here's the thing. Harley needed to have, once she got left in the river, has to be mad at the Joker and unwilling to go back to him and be conflicted. That would have made for a much more interesting narrative, at least. You know, so you have the Suicide Squad. Um, First of all, the Enchantress should have never been part of the team. The Enchantress should have just shown up and decided to wreak havoc on the world. It's like, there's the enemy. Get her. You know, and so they send uh, they send Task Force after the Enchantress and her brother Incubus and the Deftones and the Dillinger Escape Plan, and uh, and the long and then the Joker shows up and just does a monkey wrench into everything. And Harley is conflicted. Do I stay with Task Force X, who you know, who at least I have my own identity with these people, or do I go back to Putin, who left me in the fucking river? See there's some grist for the mill. There's something interesting happening. Instead of, here's my ass, people. It's in frame. Look at it. On iPhone? Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. Harley Quinn works as a supporting character. I felt there was too much Harley Quinn in this movie, and it got grating. Depends on how you use Harley. Harley, I think, is a very interesting character when used correctly. Again, I think Mad Love is one of the best stories I've ever I've ever seen. And fair enough. I just mean, it, in this particular instance, their version of Harley, the way they used her, it I felt it got tiring. Oh, yeah, sure. Sex Kitten Ninja? Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing interesting about her. Sex Kitten Ninja. See, is that... I think I called her something else. Like I threw another word in there. Hang on. I believe you attached submissive. I believe you attached submissive. Submit. That's right. Submissive sex kitten ninja. That's her character. Which is yeah, also the I, name of my new band. Yeah, sure. Because your indie band needs another rename. <laughs> so that's all she is. Uh, she's, she's not Harley Quinn. She's submissive sex kitten ninja. Uh, I'm with you not being a big uh, fan of the CGI in this movie. Uh, the stuff around the Enchantress, her spell, and her brother Incubus. Yeah, no. Not, not. Okay, how, did, you, did you laugh hysterically when he, when the El Diablo turned into the fire god and he was fighting with Incubus? How did, how, the, the, now you know what I mean by look, look out for Xbox graphics. I think I was too, I think I was too stunned by, stunned. really, by this really? direction we've gone <laughs> to have gone. any reaction other than, you know, blah, 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 blah. You, you gave it the gas face? I, you know, the guy rubbing the I finger over his left. <laughs> yeah, the gas face. Okay, I didn't know that's what that was. I, I, I didn't really have a reaction to it in the in the moment, and then as it kind of goes on, it's like, well, okay, I don't know what this is, but okay, there's still stuff on screen. That's what I mean. If you're not like a big CGI snob, you you know it's fun to look at two fire monsters fighting. Hooray, hooray for if modern you're me, technology. it's kind of visually painful. 
However, I am a pretty uh, – my brother and I talked about this a little bit earlier. Something like 90% of modern CGI in movies just takes me out of them. It bothers me. And this one, ooh, yeah. Submissive sex kitten ninja come out to play. Submissive sex kitten ninja. All right, go ahead. Uh, let me think. Was there anything? Did I have anything else on this movie? Uh, I agree with you about Deadshot being a little unevenly written. A little? Uh, yes, a little. Just, you know, one or two instances. Yeah. Nothing major. Nothing that flies in the face of, you know, 150 years of modern psychology. <laughs> sure. Uh, again, I thought Boomerang should have died. Because, really, <laughs> who cares? Because you're racist by Courtney. Apparently, I'm just racist against Captain Boomerang at this point. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Captain Boomerang. He didn't know the Flash even existed. I don't care. He's don't he's care. just he's terrible. terrible. <laughs> um, anything else? I mean, no, I think that. To the people at Warner Brothers, next time you want to make a Harley Quinn movie, just make a fucking Harley Quinn movie. I pitched the movie they should have made on source material. If you're interested in my fan fiction, (laughs) go ahead and check out the uh, Monday edition of source material where we talked about the new 52 Harley Quinn volume one. Uh, It was myself, Jason Teasley, Ronnie Adams. Uh, There was, there was lots of fun to be had. Uh, Now, and basically I just, I gave, a, I pitched a combination of the Killing Joke and Mad Love as what should have been the Batman movie that preceded Suicide Squad. You know, a movie that would have made sense and given proper time to these characters so that you understood where they were when you see them in Suicide Squad. Craziness, I know. So with that, I believe we are ready for the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. <laughs> dollar, dollar. I'm so good at that. I hit it right with the dollar, dollar pot. All right. Suicide Squad was a massive hit this weekend. So everything that you just heard myself and Robert when we say, throw it out the fucking window. Because no, it does not do not matter. throw it out the do window. Not. Use it as proper context for society. Nope. Pay no attention to us. We're just a bunch of raving lunatics. Because in a world that's run by money, where Tyrone Woodley is going to fight GSP, because it makes more financial sense than him defending against uh, Stephen Thompson, and Robert Winfrey's head just fell off. Um, that, that has not – hang on. First of all, that hasn't been announced. It will be. Second of all, I'm actually okay with GSP cutting in line. GSP is the best. Um, Suicide Squad on a budget of $175 million broke all kinds of records for August. Broke the record previously held by Guardians of the Galaxy. It had the biggest August opening ever. 
Um, to as of today, this being Tuesday, August 9th, domestically, it has made more money than most movies we've reviewed this summer. Domestically, it has made 146 million dollars. Worldwide, 280.1. Foreign, 133 million dollars for a common for a combined worldwide cum of 280 million dollars. So even if you have a 50% drop off this weekend in a week multiplier, it's still going to make its money. It's going to make between it's going to make at least 400 million dollars. It'll be fine. Um, Warner Brothers has already said this is a hit. Uh, like I said, it broke all kinds of records, and that's all that matters. Quality schmality, deserve schmerve. All that matters. It's the Daffy Duck principle of movie making: consequences, consequences. As long as I'm rich. Yeah, I and I. We always knew this was going to have a big opening weekend. There was a lot of hype. There's a lot of fanboy interest. And I say that without attempting to be pejorative or derogatory. There was a lot of genuine interest from, you know, the people who are deeply invested in these properties. It looked good. I mean, you didn't think it, it looked good. It did not look good. For the, rest, for the rest of us muggles, the movie looked interesting. There, there was a lot of Joker being advertised. There, it looked like they were gonna do, they were gonna give enough shrift to the Mad Love story, not thirty seconds. It looked cool, and you know, and people like Will Smith. I'm not the the hugest fan of Will Smith, but he has a lot of charisma. He certainly has a fan base. They're they're blaming his absence on the entire reason fucking Independence Day didn't do better than it did, erroneously. So I mean, a erroneously B, his absence did not help that movie one little bit. Um, so you know, there was a lot, there was a lot of good things. Not to mention the fact that, yeah, like I said, for the rest of us muggles that aren't Robert Winfrey, uh, who was clearly a wizard. Um, I'm not. The uh, basic logic is basic not wizardry, logic Mark. Is not wizardry, Mark. <laughs> Whatever, sorcerer. Um, go deal with he who shall not be named. Um, <laughs> look, it's better to be calling you a nerd, right? Now I'm calling you a wizard. Um, that's a step up. Uh, you know, the, the trailers that were cut were fun. They, you know, there was a lot going on with them. They used fun music. And people were, you know, and then there was talk that it might even be rated R. And so, you, you know, you had that sort of Deadpool interest. Um they did everything right to get people invested in this movie and interested. And then they dropped the ball and made a shitty movie. And I almost wish that they had just left David Ayer alone to make the movie he wanted to make instead of ordering reshoots. I'm very, I, I, I wish um, we could see, you know, to, to what would come to the light of day would have been David Ayer's original cut of the movie. Without they the all would have died. They all would have died. <laughs> That's, no, no, no. That is not a joke. No, 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 not David Ayer has a cinematic David obsession Ayer. with fatalism and killing as many people on screen as he possibly can. And I, Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but I guarantee you, if you left him alone to make this movie, Will Smith and Will Smith. Joel Kinnaman are the only two walking away from it. That being said, um, 
I would have been interested in. They shot a lot of. There's there's a couple of things we, we need to talk about. Some of which we've already alluded to. Um, there's somebody out there suing because there was so much Joker advertised for this movie, and Jared Leto has said that there's tons of Joker footage that they shot that landed on the cutting room floor, which, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, it's still something I wanted to see. And to me, so when it makes the whole thing worse, I'll just get to sit here and say, I told you so. (laughs) Um, So I I would be very curious to see what a director's cut of this thing looks like. You know, if we'll, if we'll ever see the David Ayer version versus the studio version, but this is yet another example of the studio executives monkeying around with the project for the worst. And I don't know if they're ever going to learn their lesson. I guess not. They're I guess not. In order to justify their salary, they, they, they're going to continue to muck with pictures. Um, the only studio to all that ever does that. If you are going to be working on a movie for Warner Brothers within their DC Extended Universe, there's a very important clause you need in the contract you sign for that movie. It's called Final Cut. (laughs) Good luck getting it. Just saying. Um, Jay from Red Letter Media just said, next stop hiring directors with a vision. Just hire Brett Ratner or somebody who will carry out what, you know, your vision of what it is you want to sell to people or what you think sells. That would seem to make more sense. Stop Stop hiring people who want to make their own movie. Just hire, you know, director in a box, you know, point camera that way, shoot thing, go. Um, Where we stand right now, um, is currently uh, on the worldwide grosses is currently number 20 for the year. So, you know, it, in its debut week, it's beat out it beat out Turtles, it beat out Jason Bourne, it beat out Star Trek Beyond, it beat out fucking Ghostbusters, 180 strong. Woo! This Ghostbusters um, is terrible. Uh it be as far as big movies, <laughs> hey, it beat out Money Monster. Uh, but that was not a big movie. It was an exercise in personal torture. <laughs> so, yeah, Suicide Squad is an unmitigated hit. Um, it's about $8 million away from passing um, Ice Age and uh, $9 million away from passing Alice Through the Looking Glass. In order to get to the top ten, it needs to make another $300 million or so. Um, you know, which, not you know, out of reach. Depends on how to drop off. I mean, look, we're not reviewing much of anything between now and when uh, The Magnificent Seven come out. Um, well, Pete's Dragon's the next one, but after Pete's... But I don't think Pete's Dragon is going to mount much of a... much competition against Are we Suicide reviewing Squad, Pete's Dragon? I mean, we sure are, Binky. It's the last I movie thought you summer, had babe. seen the light and decided not to do that. No, sir. Pass him a mass. No, no, no. Pass him a mass. No, no, no. I know. I do not understand your reference. You never saw the original Peace Dragon. I seem to recall having told you that multiple times. You've never seen the original Peace Dragon. I have never seen the original Peace Dragon. Dragon. Well, that's the Passam Aquati song from uh, Peace Dragon. Never seen Mary Poppins either. I love the original Peace Dragon. 
I love the original Peach Dragon. We're we're reviewing the, we're reviewing the remake, uh, and that's the last movie of the summer. God damn it! Deal with it. I'm seeing no lights. I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. You go see it. You, you go see that one. Have a nice time. Well, I, I plan on it. Thank you. I think my daughter wants me to uh, take her to see Kubo. I have no interest in it, though. In any case, Suicide Squad. No, you have 20, an interest it, in uh, Miles Teller and Jonah Hill uttering the word bro more than should ever be uttered by any three humans over the course of 80 years of existence. Now, a movie that might actually pose some degree of a threat to Suicide Squad because it, do, it does travel you know, with the same kind of audience is Sausage Party. That debuts this weekend as well, which is the the R-rated animated Seth Rogen uh, flick. So we'll see if either, you know, here's the problem. I'm here in Florida, school starting this week. So, you know, with school starting now for some, for some areas, I know not in the Northeast, I think you guys still have a few more weeks left before you go back. You you guys, you live in Utah, those folks (laughs) go back to school. Um, there might not be a whole lot of time to get the family out to go see Pete's Dragon. Um, and the people who I think that are going to go see Sausage Party probably already saw Suicide Squad. So it's going to be that third group of human beings who have no interest in Sausage Party but haven't seen Suicide Squad yet. Um, in any case, uh, just ahead, like I said, just ahead of Suicide Squad, we've got Ice Age, Alice, Now You See Me Too, The Conjuring 2, Tarzan, Angry Birds, Independence Day, Monster Hunt, and Warcraft. Um, as I said last week, Secret Life of Pets knocked Warcraft out of the top ten. Um, so right now, the way that we look is that uh, the top five movies of the year, four are from the Disney Corporation, and one of is and one is Warner Brothers. It's Batman v Superman. So Finding Dory by next week will have knocked that out of the fourth spot. Um, the One bottom five very right now. The bottom five is dominated by Fox. Three out of five movies um, are, are Fox. One is Sony, and it's a foreign film. And then the other one is uh, a Universal animated from the uh, Illuminati. <laughs> Illumination um, Entertainment. There we go. From Illumination Entertainment, which is uh, Secret Life of Pets. Um, Warner Brothers again broke a record, by the way, with the with Suicide Squad debuting as well as it did. It pushed them into the billion dollar mark. So even with making shitty films, between uh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice and Suicide Squad, and some real humdingers like Tarzan and the Nice Guys. Uh, they made a billion. They've made over a billion dollars this year. Sadly, they have Warner spent Brothers. much more than that on production. <laughs> uh, um, we got a caller. You want to take this before we head into me yelling at critics? All right, area code seven two seven. You took the time to call in. We deeply appreciate it. What are your thoughts? Uh, what do you got to say? Hey, this is Paul from Tampa, Florida. How are you? Hey, Paul. How you doing? Good. I went. I made the mistake of going to see this thing. This um, and I'm not a big comic book person. I, I in fact, forgive me for not understanding, but the Joker's supposed to have something wrong with his mouth, right? Or no? Yeah, it depends on the depends iteration. On which version. 
Okay, that kind of bothered me a little bit, but I saw it on opening day uh, at around 6 o'clock. I had some tickets and um, went and checked it out, and I made the mistake of going when everybody else was there, and and I found it very, very difficult for me to watch this film. It was very tough. What made it tough? Well, I usually like to jerk off, but there were so many kids around, I couldn't pop a load, so I had to do it underneath my jacket, and I just jerked off all over myself when the Harley Quinn scenes came up. Um, I had my balls in my left hand and my cock in my right hand, but there was just a lot of kids around, so it made it very, very difficult. Did very, you very have difficult. the same problem? Technically, he's not breaking the rules here. You tell people they can call in and just not do a slew of obscenities. He's making coherent points. This is true. Not being a fan <laughs> of other human beings in general, the the two people sitting behind me who seemed hardwired to laugh at everything Harley Quinn said were more than enough to aggravate me into not enjoying the experience regardless of quality of film. Well, guys, I'll leave you with this. I was able to get through it because I was able to put my middle finger knuckle deep into my butthole, which is finally would climax the scenario. And I, I actually suggest that for everybody. Well, we certainly appreciate that. Thank you for calling. God bless. All right, then. For a trolling phone call that we sometimes get on this network, that actually wasn't bad. I have a slightly more bizarre question before we move on. And I I don't mean to – this is not a complaint. This is not – this is simply an observation. I, there's a show that I do every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, focused specifically on MMA, called the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show, wherein uh, I routinely make a point to mention at the top of each show, I take calls on that show. I, I, I honestly can't recall the last time someone else called in other than the, um, Jeff Harris, who you know, just does the show with me. Uh, and me. How, you, you have called in on occasion. I'm genuinely a little curious as to how this show got the reputation of being the one taking live callers. <laughs> well, I, I guess it depends on the subject material um, across the board, because when we did the Slayer review on the Metal Hammer of Doom, that got two trolling phone calls. Huh. Uh, so I fair just enough. think that Suicide Squad is one of those movies, you know, where – um, there's a lot of people paying attention to it. There's, there's, there's tons of reviews all over YouTube, and we just happened to catch the one guy who was, you know, let his fingers do the walking through Black Dark Radio and stumbled upon this little ditty and said, hey, I'm going to go fuck with these two guys. And good on well, you, sir. He did say he was from Tampa, so there's a pretty good Tampa. chance uh, he'll, you'll run into him in your professional capacity. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's how he. Maybe that's what he figured out. He put two and two together. He's like, "Hey, that guy put me on Suicide Watch. You bastard! I'm gonna, I'm gonna go call into his show and be a jerk off and talk about jerking off." Uh, are you ready? All right. Yeah, let's let's do this thing. Wait, sorry, that's my cue. Ask me again. Are you ready? No God. No, God, please, no, 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 no. It's that time again, folks. We, re- we review the Rotten Tomatoes uh, 
Just Rotten Tomatoes, critics' reviews, a line or two from from full reviews that they post, uh, along with their aggregate score, of which it was 26%. Uh, Rotten before Tomatoes we, did not hang review. On, before we actually get into this, I oh, want to address yeah, the... Uh, address uh, let me get into the neck-bearded elephant in the room here. <laughs> Please do. For those of you unaware, there was a online petition started in the wake of the, critic, the scathing critical reviews of this movie, which Mark and I have now contributed to, to shut down Rotten Tomatoes because the critical consensus was so low. I, I really, when I, I saw really... that, my brain stopped for a moment. I was completely and utterly stunned by the sheer stupidity of it. Tomatoes does not produce content. Whenever Mark and I go through these reviews, he will give the name of the reviewer as well as, and here's the important thing, the outlet they are writing for. None of them write for Rotten Tomatoes. There is not a group of movie reviewers going around being credentialed for film review because they write for Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes assembles data and allows you to view it in one convenient location. That is the sum total of what they do. They do not have, and this is, real, this is dumber than you can possibly imagine on two levels. One, they do not have a Marvel bias. And you, Now, here's why, real briefly, to all you people out there who may have signed this thing. Do you know who owns Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten Tomatoes is not independently run. It is not independently funded. It is owned by a larger entity. And guess who it is? It's not Marvel. It's not even Marvel's master, Disney. It's Warner Brothers the studio producing the DC Extended Universe movies owns Rotten Tomatoes, but no, they clearly must have a bias towards Marvel. And again, there's this notion that if we shut down this site, the reviews will go away. No! Rotten Tomatoes produces nothing. They assemble reviews from other people. You are, you are accomplishing nothing with this. This is, this is so profoundly stupid. Winfrey, take a breath for a moment. Because there is something, there's an element to this, because I actually looked into this a little bit. I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm not doing a bit here. Okay. I looked into this to see what all the hubbub was. Like, if people understood what it was they were doing. And while some people may not understand that, how Rotten Tomatoes works and are, you know, and, and would be affected by what you're saying, like, oh, wait, I'm doing a dumb thing. There are people who absolutely get that Rotten Tomatoes is not a content provider, but an aggregate. But they want it gone anyway. And here's why. And it actually makes sense. These people are stupid and need to go for a walk, but at least their, their thinking makes some degree of sense. Now, follow me, if you will. I don't necessarily go to a variety of sources to get written reviews. I might go on YouTube and click on a bunch of different video reviews, but I'm typically not going to Forbes, the Wall Street Journal, Willy Waffles, MTV, 
the, the, the Salt Lake Tribune, the Tampa Tribune, etc., to read a bunch of different reviews. Their contention is that if you get rid of Rotten Tomatoes, you'll get rid of a one-stop shop site for reviews. It'll be harder for people to find reviews, and therefore people will not let bad reviews, since they're not seeing them, people won't let bad reviews ruin the movies. In other words, um, if you can't, if there's no Rotten Tomatoes, people won't read reviews and they'll go see the movies and they'll see them for the wonderful splendor that they are. Not no. joking about that. No. <laughs> just, just no, huh? Just, just roll, rolled up a uh, newspaper. Argument, if, if this is your point, and I know this isn't your point, Mark, if this is the sum total of your argument is, well, people are biased by professionals. Or No! How do you not see the brilliance of Margot Robbie and Fishnets? Here's just a minor <laughs> thought for all of you. People would have seen this movie, and those that didn't like it, like me, would not have liked it anyway. The fact that this had a terrible score on Rotten Tomatoes affected my ability to perceive it to critique it and to come on this show and talk about it is unaffected by the scores, by the aggregates. Your comp- the sum total of your argument is, well, ignorance is bliss. If I don't know life is better than being kicked in the balls, I'm not going to complain about being kicked in the balls, right? No. No, this is still profoundly stupid. The whole world is dumber for any because you made that argument. You actively detracted from the collective intelligence of this planet, and you should definitely feel shame about that. <laughs> oh no, people would love Sharknado if only the critics wouldn't say bad things about it. What planet do you live on? Morons. Ugh. Are you good now? You got that out of your system? I want to say one more. No, you know what? Let's get through some of these reviews. I have a brief discussion I wish to close with because I guarantee this is going to come up when we do the individual reviews. So let's go for it. Let me first say that I that for the first time in a long time, I actually think a lot of the reviews are spot on. It was very hard for me to like pick pick stuff out without. So to be clear, if you've never heard us do this bit before, it, it, it started because whether or not we agree or disagreed with, with the critics, we still felt that their criticism was poorly written. And it's one thing if you listen to an amateur like myself or Robert Rindry and you go, well, I don't like the way you guys are talking about this movie. I don't think you guys know what you're talking about. Fuck, maybe we don't. You know, Maybe, maybe the years spent in film and, and playwriting classes – and my own, you know, paying attention to movies all my life has not mattered a single bit, and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Maybe Robert Winfrey is, is, is a, you know, a, uh, as my father would say, a majority of one, and what he says does not relate to the rest of the known universe. That's fine. Not, we're not getting paid to do this. We are not, I am a professional social worker. Robert Winfrey is a professional student, from what I understand, and there do well. Um, so... The fact that we do this on the amateur level for fun, I accept whatever criticism comes with that. 
these people are paid to do this. These are paid professionals. The level of critique needs to reflect the paycheck they get. And while that may be shrinking in our ever, uh, shrink, uh, ever overall shrinking field of journalism, they should still do a better job than some of these schmucks do. So that being said, we are here to... The thrust of this segment is Mark finds reviews on Rotten Tomatoes that will drive me insane, and I get to yell about them. It's a very cleansing, cathartic experience for me. (laughs) Okay. So I just needed to point that out in case anyone was just like, well, you guys, the raza, 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 raza. Matthew DeKinder of Suburban Journals of St. Louis. Suicide Squad is a rowdy, rambunctious, entertaining flick that strikes the perfect, slightly darker tone the DC movies have been grasping for to set them apart from Marvel. I'm not entirely sure where... Wait a minute. You think this is... Hang on. Your premise is that this is darker than the movie where Thor watches his mother be murdered? You're seriously going to go down that road, huh? (laughs) My thing about this, like, I understand that Marvel movies have a brighter color palette, but that does not mean they are all lighthearted. That's just patently untrue when you actually look at the content of their films. Now, some of them are lighter hearted, sure. But crying out loud... Guardians of the Galaxy opens with an eight-year-old boy watching his mother die of cancer. I just watched Age of Ultron yesterday, and I'm like, this is a really grim movie when you think about it. That there's a point before the shield helicarrier shows up where they're just like, we've all accepted the fact that we're not getting off, we're not getting out of Sokovia, and we're all going to die. And then, you know, even before that, you have, you know, once Tony creates Ultron and Ultron escapes out of the, uh, the Avengers building, you have that whole conversation where they're all pissed at Tony and Tony, you know, and Tony's is, is doing what he does, <laughs> doing what he does best, deflecting and defending himself and just how grim the whole thing is. Like these, <laughs> I would not call what happens in, a, in Age of Ultron or what happens um, in Civil War to be fun in any way, shape or form. Just to be now to be clear, this is this should have been a slightly darker movie than it was. Studio interference, with notwithstanding. Um. Yeah, no, you're you're fundamentally flawed in just feeding into the false narrative about DC dark, Marvel bright, DC right, grown well, up, Marvel kitty. No, you you are contributing to a false narrative in the cultural zeitgeist, sir, and you should be ashamed of yourself. Well, speaking of that, wait till you hear my next, uh, what I got next for you. Uh, And this comes from uh, Colin Covert of the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Top critic. You get paid to write this stuff. Professional critic, folks. This is what happens when the comic book fanboys have taken over the asylum. It is damaged goods from the get-go, the kind of film grown in the Petri dish in Hollywood. Now, before Robert Winfrey tries to wrap his head around this, I take offense to that because if fanboys had actually been able to make this movie, it would have been 100 times better, number one. Number two, we had nothing to do with this. 
it isn't the comic book fans that over that that caused this movie to be interfered with by the studio. I have no idea where this person is coming from. I understand elements of this sentiment. And to a degree, I sympathize. This individual is just sick of movie making by committee, is sick of films that are somewhat pandering to their audience. And make no mistake about it, guys and gals, this is a pandering movie on several levels. But to lay the, feet, the blame at the feet of people who are simply fans is deeply, deeply misguided. Blame the studio for being terrified of losing profit margins. Blame David Ayers for not getting a final cut clause in his contract. Blaming fans for this is just you being annoyed with filmmaking in general right now and lashing out irrationally. Lashing out irrationally. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I sympathize with being annoyed with the trend in current film. Don't blame – there's only a certain degree to which you can blame fans of various intellectual properties. Yeah, you're kind of blaming the victim here. You know, we're not <laughs> – Maybe we burn the stew, but we're, but you, you 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 still shouldn't hit us. Helen O'Hara, GQ Magazine, UK. The film lives or dies on Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, and that's the problem because Eric doesn't know what to do with her or any of his female cast. Well, that just strikes me as well, you know a borderline you know. sexist argument. Not that Harley Quinn is anything more than much of, a bunch of walking fan service in this movie. Hey, get out of there! Is what he says to Harley Quinn. Ah. Sorry, no, sorry, it's my dog. I, come on, get out of there. Out, out. Both of you, get they out. went professional at all. Susan um, Granger of SSG. Hang on, hang on. No, wait, you well, gotta I, I, Wait, wait, I have a thought on that other review. Blaming David uh, Ayers for this movie when it is obvious and discussed that the studio got into this thing and recut it half a dozen times is really unfair to him. Blame him for poor contract management, fine. Sure, there are elements of the direction you can critique, but the editing for this thing does not fall on his shoulders, and it's unfair to blame him for such. Second of all, how can you complain he doesn't know what to do with his female cast when Amanda Waller is probably the best thing about this movie? Good point. One of the reasons why I read it. Um, next one. Susan Granger of SSG Syndicate. How many superhero comic movies does it take to make you yawn with boredom? If you haven't reached your saturation point, this could push you over the edge as superheroes are replaced by supervillains. Okay. I, I, okay. okay. I, I, okay. We've talked about this <laughs> in the past. Boredom and conversely entertaining are subjective criticisms, not objective ones. Please stop framing your personal opinion as though it is fact. You were bored by this movie. I was bored by this movie. Bored by this movie. Fair. Mark was entertained by this movie. My brother was entertained by this movie. Fair. They can't say it's entertaining and I can't say it's boring because it does not fall far enough onto either side of those spectrums objectively to fall within that qualification. 
it is simply your perspective and your opinion, and that's fine. That's one of the things you're paid to do. You have theoretically studied and ha are qualified to give your opinion, but don't phrase it as fact. Not only that, you know, this, uh, this idea of are you bored with superhero movies? Adam, it's your job to review movies, not tell us what the studio should be making. Just review the fucking movie and shut up. Henry Fitzherbert, Daily Express, UK. Call DC Comics the Donald Trump of blockbusters. Uh. Why? 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 Just what, what went through your head? Are you proud of that sentence? <laughs> I, I mean, really? You sat down to review a movie and decided that, well, boy, I've got to jam a little shot at Donald Trump in here because everyone else is doing it. I'll type this up. You put your name on that and you put it out there in the world. I'm, genuinely, are you proud of the fact that you typed out that sentence? Because you shouldn't be. <laughs> Pete Vonderhaar of Houston Press. I'm only reading this because I think the items of the line is funny. Leto opts for insane clown pimp, with the results being about as enjoyable as you'd expect from anything with the initials ICP. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny because the insane the insane clown posse is just terrible on every level. Uh, you're not a juggalo, Robert Winfrey. Not under any meaningful definition of the word. <laughs> okay. See, it's hard to pull. It's hard to pull really, really bad reviews out of this because a lot of them, you know, yes, yeah, a lot. I completely agree with a lot of them. You know, alas, the result is a surprisingly disjointed mess. Yes, it was punishing rather than entertaining. Well, I kind of agree with that. A muddled tone and obvious post-production tinkering makes it feel more like DC's version of Fantastic Four. A lot of comparisons. <laughs> to yeah, that's about that. That's that's more accurate than I think most people would admit to. Um. Oh, Jesus Christ, Rohan Nahar of the Hindustan Times. I'm bad, and that's good. I will never be good, and that's not bad. There's no one I'd rather be than me. I'm just going to go out on a minor limb here and assume this is some kind of translation and context issue. Well, you know where you're pulling that from, right? That's a Wreck-It uh, Ralph. I have not seen Wreck-It Ralph. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Marianne Johansson, the flick philosopher... Philosopher spelled with an F, by the way. Oh, yay. Because really, we just need to contribute to the misspelling of society, you freaking hacks. Should be grim, bitter, and as horrifyingly alluring as Hannibal Lecter. But it's nothing but a teen-friendly ad for toys, teas, and other disposable merch. Zero out of five stars. Okay, someone does not understand how Hannibal Lecter works. Let's start right there. <laughs> I read that specifically for that line. Hannibal Lecter operates in 
the real world. That's one of the things that makes him so effective as a character. There is nothing stopping Hannibal Lecter from being real. Nothing at all. And really, that's what should scare you about that whole scenario. That level of, hey, freaking dogs. That level of grim darkness uh, into the underbelly of reality does not work in superhero movie by and large. And that's fine. You can do grim and dark another way, but really you decide to utilize what is in many ways the quintessential real horror story of the last 40 years to try and make that point. You are woefully off base. I've got some real doozies for you next. All right. All right. Bill Villarreal of ABC Tucson. Whatever the revisions were, they turned out to be master strokes that boosted the material to fulfill the promise of the trailers. Three out of four stars. Oh, sir, <laughs> sir. I would like for you to go to the nearest door. Open it, put your hand in it, and then slam it as hard as you can. You are clearly in dire need of some kind of external stimulus to awaken your mental stupor. The cuts for this movie, the revisions, are what make it bad. Moreover, there were two different trailers for this movie, the first of which looked grim, dark, and to be more on the action thriller side of things, the second one was played was played over Ballroom Blitz and promised kid-friendly action sequence with comedy thrown in. One of those trailers had a potentially decent movie behind it, and it wasn't the second. People are contemplating suing because of how erroneous the trailers were, and you're saying it was a good decision. What's the matter with you? Oh, it's just going to get worse now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bring it on. Scott Mendelson of Forbes, who I genuinely like, and, and where he came up with this, I was I, like his wife left him or something. I don't. Poor Scott Mendelson. <laughs> I don't know. Who, <laughs> the, let me just. I'll, I'll just read the line, but then I think you'll be with me when you say, "Poor Scott Mendelson, we're having a terrible day." It is perhaps by default probably the worst big DC Comics live action movie since Catwoman. Ah. <sighs> I, I can't agree with that. I mean, it's it's wrong. It's wrong. Uh, I I, I uh, my brain just you actually just succeeded in giving me an aneurysm. Congratulations! I I just I've got nothing. <laughs> All right, so we'll do one more to see if I can get brain to ooze out of your your ears. Um, let's see. What's gonna be my what's gonna be my uh, my bench clear, my home run hitter? Um. <laughs> okay. 
Adam Woodward of Little White Lies, one of the more refreshingly uncomplicated summer blockbusters in recent memory. Okay. Okay. You thought this was uncomplicated. You thought this was uncomplicated. Really? Really? Extra dimensional possessing <laughs> demon revives brother to generate magic to wipe out technology to inspire the populace. All the while, Joker wants his pretty back, and Amanda Waller shoots people. You thought this was uncomplicated. Now, don't get me wrong. We've had our share of overstuffed, overcomplicated movies this year. But come on! This was uncomplicated? Uh, you, you don't understand the words you just typed out. You, you just fundamentally cannot possibly understand the English language as you, as, as you have attempted to use it. And lastly, Joe Morgenstern of the Wall Street Journal, top critic, Suicide Squad amounts to an all-out attack on the whole idea of entertainment. Okay, Ray, get her. <sighs> All right, I, I I really need to briefly segue into. Stop for a second. Stop, stop. I I'm I, I'm sorry. I didn't see this one. If I had, I would have said this one was going to go last. And okay. Lee Ellingson of L.A. A giant dumpster fire of perplexing plotting, erratic pacing, racial stereotypes, and a problematic male gaze. I'm oh, sorry. That last bit. A problematic male gaze. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm done now. Joe Morganson and Ann Lee Hall- Ellingson, go. All right, to the man claiming this is an all-out assault on any form of entertainment, that's an exceptionally pretentious position to take. Entertainment is A, subjective. B, not necess- it doesn't need to be objective. The people out there who enjoyed this movie, I'm glad you did. Genuine, not sarcastic, no facetiousness, genuinely glad you found something in this world that you enjoy. 100%. That does not exempt it from criticism. That doesn't make it good. Entertainment is the bargain basement, lowest common denominator, D minus effort from a movie. That is the basic thing, the foundation of your film. If you try to defend this movie as good simply because you were entertained by it, you're a realtor's wet dream. Because all they have to sell you is a foundation. It doesn't matter how crappy the house is. That being said, if you were entertained by it, fine. Good. You... I'm glad you were. I'm glad you didn't feel cheated. I'm glad you didn't feel like you wasted your money. And unfortunately, jackasses like this make that entire conversation exponentially more complicated because I didn't like it, therefore it can't possibly be entertaining. I didn't like this movie. I'm not going to pretend that there isn't a contingent of the populace out there that was entertained by it. There were, and they're more than entitled to that. 
you're not entitled to pretend that it's a flawless film because it entertained you. But if you enjoyed it, God bless, carry on, and ignore morons like that. As for this other woman, why? Just why? What exactly is your problem with this movie on the levels that you've suggested? What is the value of bringing in gender dynamics to this movie? A genuine question here. Of all movies you're going to attempt to bring the discussion of gender dynamics into, what about this one makes you think that's A, relevant, and B, a worthwhile addition to the conversation? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters sucked on its own merits. Isn't that the answer to anything I'm going to do? Unless we forget, Ghostbusters was directed by a man. I mean, granted, directed is a very loose description of what work he did on that movie. That was man. He his chromosome order is XY. He has not undergone hormone therapy or gender reassignment surgery, and to the best of my knowledge, still identifies as a man. So I've covered all my bases there from every possible level. Says you. I'm sorry, do you have information to the contrary? No. I'm I'm calling Paul Feig a woman. Get over it. I'm just saying you're wrong on every conceivable level, including some of the more asinine ones. Well, there's a shock. I know, I just have to say it when you are. Are, you the, are, are we uh, are we done here? Uh, troubled male gaze. Really? You typed that out and you hit set. You hit print. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything pertaining to this film? I mean, seriously, is anyone out there complaining that this movie is? sexist or misogynistic or whatever terminology you want to use. Has that, has anyone brought that up under any context? You want to argue that Harley Quinn parades around in boy shorts and fishnets and it's borderline fan service. Fine. I accept the fact that what you're saying is fundamentally true, it's also generally true about her through most of her appearances. Not all, but most. Okay, so this comes from the AV AVclub.com. Margot Robbie deserves better than Suicide Squad sexism. Uh, First line. Can we please stop fetishizing Margot Robbie? If we didn't, she wouldn't have a job. <laughs> Bear in mind, let me, let me uh, rephrase. If you didn't. You people, I am completely nonplussed by Margot Robbie. And here's just a minor thought. Just a minor thought. She knew what she was getting into. If there's going to be outrage or indignation over this, don't you think it should come from her? Suicide Squad's Harley Quinn is the result of sexism by committee, the Daily Doc. Harley Quinn isn't a real person. 
It shouldn't be necessary to point this out. But sometimes we need a reminder that fictional characters do not make choices of their own volition. When Harley sensually... God damn it. When Harley sensually licks the bars of her prison cell, she's doing it because someone decided she should. In Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn is the sum of several clashing visions. An engaging performance by Margot Robbie, who in turn is blatantly sexualized by every other aspect of the movie, including the studio, shortening her booty shorts in post-production. She's a case study in sexism by committee. You asked. I found it. I did, and you found I, – I really should know better than to posit questions about the stupidity of humanity potentially being brought up, and we all have the internet at our fingertips. Well, especially with me, because I, I take everything as a challenge. Yeah, yeah you've you got nothing yeah, better to do with it than to try and give me a, you know, a, a heart attack or an aneurysm or some such physical malady based on you know, the collective ignorance and asinine writings of the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm in, I'm in this show to be entertained. <sighs> Yeah, look, yes, Harley Quinn is overly sexualized. Yep. What's your point? And water is wet. Harley Quinn has we are witnessing in this movie, I think, the highest degree of overt sexualization of her character. I'll give you that. Here's my follow up question once again. So what? Yeah, I was gonna this go with the this, this does not demean women, all right? This is actually a somewhat accurate portrayal of what a coked up, a coked meth, up methamphetamine addicted woman looks like in her in her performance. Now, granted, no meth addict actually looks like Margot Robbie. But if you've never been around a woman like a woman who is clearly out of mind. Mark, you deal with people Mark, like that on a semi-regular like basis. Have you ever had a woman attempt to use your body, persuade you, or throw you off your game? Most of the girls I tried to date before I met my wife, yes. And how is that sexist is to portray it realistically when amped up to the nth degree by a fundamentally insane fictional character? I hate people. I say Mark. again. I hate people, Mark. <laughs> Are we? I think we we, we have uh, said all that needs to be said here. In summation, don't Aren't go see this movie. Don't go see this movie. Aren't you glad the summer's almost over and we're gonna get a break? No, honestly, I this feel pretty good right honestly, about I now. feel pretty good right about now. I'm just hitting my stride. I'm getting into a roll. I'm ready to just keep tearing these things apart. You're the one who's suffering. You're the one who's suffering. I need a break. I need a break from this whole thing. Well, next week you get to review a childhood favorite that's been bastardized by CGI. CGI? Yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Um, I'm hoping it... uh, I mean, well, well, actually, now that you mentioned that, let me turn off Netflix for a moment. Um, I wasn't watching anything. I was looking to see if they had updated uh, season two of The Flash yet. Peach Dragon, currently at 84% on Rotten Tomatoes, 
you know, it's getting good reviews. People are liking it. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see what my thoughts are. I'm usually pretty easy on on most films. You know, as I've said before. Uh, you know, if, it's, it's an, if there's narrative cohesion, good performances, and the CGI doesn't look like El Diablo in the final act of the movie, uh, I'm going to give it a good review. <laughs> So, sausage party, by the way, is at ninety-three percent. So I'll give you. So I'll give you the option: Can we do sausage party or Pete's Dragon? I'll let you consider what I'll you know you about me, and then realize you just pitted me going willingly, or somewhat unwillingly, in animated comedy that is the brainchild of Seth Rogen. Yeah, I figured you were going to tell me to go fuck myself or play the or play the outgoing theme music. Uh, look, we'll do Pete's Dragon. I'll suffer through it. We'll talk about it. And then the following week is our summer wrap-up special. We'll we'll go over all. We'll we'll review in short order all the movies that we saw. Some of the ones that we didn't. If we saw anything that we didn't get a chance to review, I'll talk a little bit more about the Killing Joke. Um, um my wife just saw Bad Moms. Maybe I'll have her talk about that for a few minutes. We'll go no, over the money this again. This a good chance for me to bring up The Witch, which I thought was really good. Yeah. So it'll be sort of our catch-up special our, and, you know, and also a review of the summer. Talk about some of the stories that come out of it. I don't want to, I don't want to go into Ghostbusters all, all over again. Um, but there were, you know, there were other newsworthy items about movies this summer that are worth talking about that you know, we may or may not have addressed on this show. So that's what we'll do in two weeks. Um, like you said, next week is Pete's Dragon. A dragon. A dragon. I swear I saw a dragon. Uh, Mickey Rooney, where have you gone? Um, He's not dead yet. His we'll memory serves. And then we'll do our summer wrap-up special, and then we're done for a while. Um, we are, we'll be taking a break. Says there's garbage, hot garbage, except in the month of September, uh, for the most part. We're not doing Ben Hur. I refuse. I, I'm just I'm you, done. No, I'm no. I look. If we were gonna do something for the week after, I would actually insist yeah, on Kubo. The Ben Hur remake is just absolutely awful. Yeah, that can go fuck itself. Um, so uh, the week You're of the thirty first. We don't want to do Hands of Stone. Uh, is that the is that the um the, the what you call it the boxing movie that I asked you about that you said you were gonna get Pat Mullen's permission to go see? <laughs> no, no, uh, I don't know. It's no, the one on Roberto Duran. Yeah, that's what I was asking you about. I don't know. I'm just I know you're a boxing fan as well. I was wondering if you wanted to potentially add it or not. I'm happy either way. I don't know if I'm going to make it to go see it. If I do, when did it come out? Uh, the 26th. Uh, the 26th. Of, of August? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's no room that week to do it. We're doing two Metal okay. Hammer reviews. We have to make up a okay. show. We have to okay. make up yeah, a no show uh, because we had Block Talk Radio issues um, for Witherscape. So we're doing... Running Wild on Tuesday, and then Witherscape on Wednesday, and then Cheat Sheets on Thursday. Uh, yeah, for the for the month of September, because I didn't plan any movies for us to review, I filled in the opening slots with Cheap Sheets. 
So um, starting in September, uh, we're on th the Thursday slot that is normally reserved for Long Road to Ruin. We'll be doing Alan Moore Month. So we'll be starting with The Watchmen. We're going to compare the comic book to the movie. And then we're all going to have, uh, we're all going to drink. <laughs> or do some I will sort of not bite. be drinking as I, I do not imbibe. Uh, and then the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, if anything's going to push me to drink, though, it is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> then uh, V for Vendetta. And then we are back, actually, on the 28th of September with the Magnificent Seven. And then the following week, actually, you're going to get a double shot of myself and Robert Winfrey. It'll be, um, we'll be reviewing Deepwater Horizon uh, on October 5th. And then on October 6th, which the trailer for it just dropped today, and it looks fucking amazing, uh, we're going to be reviewing the entire Luke Cage uh, Netflix series. I'm not quite uh, as involved with it as you are, but you I are. also do not have I the same affection, affection for African-American culture African -American. that you do. That's right. That's right, because I'm all about black folks. See? That, the, I saw that trailer for Luke Cage, and I went, oh, my God, it's the best thing I've seen since The Wire. So now you know where my head's at. I can't wait. Deeply, um, deeply inflated. Deeply inflated. Whatever. The wire is awesome. Sorry, not your um, sorry, not your head, not the wire. I meant your expectations for Luke Cage are now so loftily inflated they will so never actually inflated. be met. And you'll be expressing disappointment. Curse you, Robert Winfrey, curse you. Curse. Um, just, and you then we're taking then we're taking another break. Um, we'll be taking off uh, the next one, two, two weeks. Uh, we'll, now, Rob Winfrey is actually going to be showing up despite that. He'll be on the first episode of Long Road to Ruin for the month of October when it returns, as we will be looking at the Hannibal Lecter movies. I could not do a Long Road to Ruin Hannibal Lecter without having Robert Winfrey on, as the man did an entire two-hour podcast talking about the character by himself. So he so just wouldn't let me. He wouldn't. So we'll be do, we'll be looking at the first two Hannibal Lecter movies on October twentieth. Uh, the following week, uh, we'll be reviewing a Monster Calls featuring um, uh, uh, Liam Neeson, who sounds like Leonard Nimoy for some odd reason, and Sigourney Weaver. And then we'll be doing um, on October twenty seventh, just in time for Halloween. We'll be finishing up the Hannibal Lecter movies. The following week, we're reviewing Inferno, and that starts Harry Potter month here on uh, the Rattles and Broadcasting Network. The entire month of November and the first week of December, we'll be looking at all the Harry Potter movies. I need um, to apologize um, to you, Mark, because, uh, because uh, I should have just said we should have stuck, stuck to the trilogy of Hannibal Lecter movies. You're going to hate me when you get done with Hannibal Rising. <laughs> Um, November 9th, we'll be reviewing Doctor Strange, which I'm really excited for now. I wasn't, I wasn't ever a big Doctor Strange fan. I'm more excited now that I've seen the full trailer. And while I never actually watched Inception, it's got that sort of Inception camera work. It looks really trippy. It looks fun. How is I'm it that you've Doctor never Strange. seen all of these great movies? Hi, I'm Mark. Have we met? Um, no, we're doing nothing the week of November 16th. But we'll be back to review Fantastic Beasts and where to find them on November 23rd, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, then we'll be on no November 30th, we'll be reviewing Moana, which is the 
new Disney princess movie featuring The Rock. He's not a Disney princess, but he should be. Um, then a short break after that, we'll be ending the year with a review of Rogue One on December 21st and Assassin's Creed on December 28th. So uh, not quite every week, a lot of breaks in between, but still plenty of movies for us to review. And then um, in January, we'll pick things up again with uh, on January 11th with Underworld, Blood Wars. Ha-ha! <laughs> Fantastic. I can't wait. I don't think you understand what you're asking of me, Mark. You're asking of me, Mark. (laughs) Have have you seen the other Underworld movies? Wait, I just, I got to lay this out for you. You have to review in the same series of weeks, very close to one another, Underworld, Blood Wars, Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage, and Resident Evil, The Final Chapter. (laughs) Uh, I love it. I don't know what I did in a past life to deserve this. So, what are your January is going to be rough. If I don't make it through January, it's entirely possible you'll find my last will and testament posted somewhere along with Blame Mark Rattlin. Yeah, kick Mark Rattlin's squally in the balls. All right, do your plugs. Uh, no UFC event this Saturday. One week off. Then next week, it's every week. For quite a while, actually. Into October. Are you kidding me? No, look it up. No breaks, huh? No, look it up. Uh, you other, if, you, if you think I'm lying or if I did the math wrong, by all means, the UFC schedule is freely available online. No, no, I, I believe you. I don't, I don't want to look anything up. There's uh, two to close out September. There's one every week in August. Or sorry, excuse me, to close out August and one every week in September. And then I believe there are October. Yikes. Such is the life I chose. (laughs) And no one's out there to help you. You're all by your lonesome. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Besides, I already used you for my one emergency break in case of insanity. Insanity. (laughs) That's right. I'm done for the year. Now I'm okay with it. You know, no, I, okay. I know what I signed up yeah. for. I can't complain. All right. So, so, oh, so uh, real week. quickly. Uh-oh. Sorry. Uh-oh. I actually uh, wrote a thing, which I have not done in quite some time. Uh, it's in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com right now. It's entitled uh, MMA's Money Weight Dilemma. Uh, a little bit of history about how we arrived at the current problem. Some of my thoughts on it along the way. Give it a read if you're so inclined. I, uh, I've had some, you know, a couple of people have commented on it. A little bit of feedback elsewhere that seems to be largely positive. Uh, 
So by all means, give it a read. I require constant uh, reinforcement. More criticism. I accept critiques. I'm honestly, I'm. I was not terribly thrilled with this when it went up. So I, I welcome uh, constructive criticism as well. Constructive criticism as well. Is this is yours the one that the 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 MMA money weight problem? Is that your article? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, if it's anything other than they should make more money weight fights, it's wrong. That's yeah, my, I know. That, that's you're, my you're a Jew. I know. You're a Jew. I know. Oh, go for the TP, huh? <laughs> I'm well aware okay, of your position, okay. and I just fundamentally disagree with you on at least two levels. Uh, money, money. Wait a minute. Hang on. On that Jesus note, Christ. we'll be back next week to review we'll Peach Dragon. Uh, until then, please. <laughs> All right, there was that. <laughs> gonna hit the gonna hit the outro music or what? Yeah. Until next week, for Mark Radlich, I'm Robert Winfrey, reminding everyone to remember this is just an entertainment medium. You do not need to go to war over this. And please continue to be well. Be safe. Continue to be well. Be safe.